0: Welcome to Budworth Common here in rural Cheshire, just outside Northwich, where I'm visiting with Chris Fields, one of the lead investigators at the long-term nitrogen deposition experiment here, who works at the Manchester Metropolitan University. Good afternoon to you, Chris.
1: Uh, good afternoon. Can you tell
0: us a little more about the history of this site? Yeah, sure. And
1: the experiments? Okay, yeah. Well, so yeah, welcome to Budworth Common. This is a site which we've had an experiment at since around about 1996. However, the history of the site goes back a lot further than that. I think the records we've got suggest suggested heath- there's been a heathland here since around 1800, and then over time, as you can see, we're surrounded by uh, birch trees and some oak trees uh, further over, the sort of amount of woodland cover has ebbed and flowed so for example following the first world war there was a big push for timber and actually the the whole site became wooded that timber was removed in the second world war and then subsequently i think i think sort of the site was left to revert to scrub encroachment and and then to sort of the birch trees began to come back again cheshire council took over the site or the management of the site in about 1970 and since then it's been quite actively managed and still is, to this day there's, there's quite a lot of management around the site designed to try and rejuvenate the heathland and also keep it as heathland as well which is quite a rare habitat in the UK at the moment. Yes, I was just going to ask lowland
0: dry heath is, is quite a special and, and rare habitat across yeah, the
1: UK, is sort of Going back probably 200 years there was something like about 350,000 hectares of lowland heath around the UK uh, that's not a lot in comparison to the upland heath and the raised bogs which are in the sort of millions of hectares however these days, I think the jury's out on the exact amount of uh, heathland we've got, but we're at something like between you know, maybe about 30 and 80,000 hectares less. So it's quite a, quite a rare habitat for the UK and also for northwest Europe as well. So London heathland has been eroded by increasing, you know, a, a, a dramatic conversion of land to
0: agriculture across England that we've seen. And what can you tell us about the science emerging from the long-term experiment here and particularly how it's impacted policy?
1: Well, this site uh, was one of a few sites that were sort of established in the mid-1990s to try and understand the effects that atmospheric nitrogen deposition was having on our ecosystems. Uh, this, we've got the sister site at Ruabon in North Wales, which we visited this morning. That's an upland site at about 450 metres above sea level. A Kaluna heathland, which is rich in organic matter, over quite an organic soil. This is a contrasting site. We're only about 70 metres above sea level here, and it's over quite a sandy soil. So the site itself is probably, we'd say, maybe more sensitive to pollution because there's not a lot of organic matter around, which is a host of microbes and also lots of exchange sites which can store pollution. The site itself is probably quite sensitive to pollution. Uh, So we established this experiment, and I think one of the main goals actually at the time was to try and understand if we'd see conversion of heathland to grassland, which is something we've seen, certainly in Europe, in the Netherlands, where their pollution levels are a lot higher, they've lost lots of heathland to grassland. But... It's difficult to say how much we've seen it in the the UK because if we look at a lot of historic place names that have heath in the title, then they don't have much Kloon around at the moment. So this site, and hence we've got a grazing exclusion zone around the plots to try and keep out rabbits, was designed to try and observe that. Unfortunately the the fence failed uh, some time ago, so we did have, this. this is what we call an, an NVC... H9, that's a Coluna vulgaris Dechampsia flexuosa. flexurosa, so Deschampsia flexurosa is wavy hair grass, really nice sort of little fluorescences that waft in the wind in the summer. Now going back probably about 10 years or so ago, plus uh, we did see those sorts of grass species coming in at the site, whether there was an interaction with nitrogen it was difficult to say. Certainly when we apply the results from this site and we go out to national and do carry out national surveys We do see increased levels of grass within sites that have got higher levels of nitrogen deposition So in terms of policy this site and Rurabrum were all funded as part of a, a DEFRA You terrestrial umbrella program and a lot of the science in here is sort of fed into the sort of development of uh, critical loads And that's critical loads that are designed to protect our ecosystems from pollution So at this site we see shifts in the composition of species, certainly if we look at high nice some plots like the one behind us over there, we have a really nice rich bryophyte layer, that's mosses and liverworts outside the plot and as soon as we enter the plot that richness has disappeared. So, we certainly see that some plants are very sensitive to pollution and others, perhaps, you know, Kaluna, the main Kaluna, the heather, common heather we see around us, actually isn't that sensitive in an experimental sense. So, we see shifts in composition and reductions in species diversity as, as nitrogen levels sort of change around
0: the site. So real impact in policy terms from the science emerging. But that's not the end of the story, is it? You've got future plans for this site, particularly with recovery in mind? Uh,
1: yeah, with recovery and also with uh, phosphorus additions. So at uh, this site we add on phosphorus, and there's sort of evidence to suggest is the bryophyte diversity on the phosphorus plots is much greater than on the equivalent plots where we just add nitrogen. So if somehow phosphorus adds a protectionary role to the system. I'm trying to investigate if that role exists when we then apply it to a survey across the country. So if we go to areas with higher phosphorus availability, perhaps areas sitting over granite bedrock or maybe limestone, if they've got a different composition and respond differently to pollution than those areas, that are cleaner areas. And then of course, in the last 10 years or so, we've made dramatic inroads in terms of reducing atmospheric nitrogen pollution. So it's still a big issue in city centres with diesel emissions and NOx, but actually on the country as a whole, levels have come down in the last sort of 10 years. And one of the big questions for policymakers is if we're investing a lot in this reduction of pollution, are we seeing a benefit in our semi natural sites? Now, here it's quite difficult to tell that because we're still sort of applying pollution to the site, although we do have control plots. However, at Wurab the sister site, we have a recovery component to the experiment. And one thing we've been doing this summer is revisiting sites that we visited 10 years ago to see how they've recovered from those reductions in pollution. The big issue is, whilst levels of pollution have gone down, the cumulative level of pollution is still going up. So how we sort of reset that pollution can be quite interesting. And certainly, that's, that's at this site in particular, there's quite active management around the site to remove nutrients perhaps like at Rurabha we saw there was a burn and that removes nutrients from the canopy here we've cut it in the past uh, and then around the site actually in fact this site was topsoil stripped so we've removed the high levels of nutrients that have accumulated due to atmospheric pollution over a long period of time and then the site is then able to flourish as a heathland again uh, so there's we're sort of investigating along with other academic colleagues and in other institutions how our systems recover and you know certainly the plants, like the vascular plants, like Coluna, which tend to become quite dominant and maybe even grasses, perhaps respond slowly because pollution accumulates in the soil and sits in the soil. Whereas many of the bryophytes actually take a lot of their uh, nutrients directly from the atmosphere. So we're expecting to see uh, responses in those soon. And in fact, actually, at the in the recovery plots, we do see bryophyte layers beginning to flourish
0: again. And speaking of other institutions, this site is still available for researchers to come and use, Absolutely, with yeah. your permission, and how would they get access to collaborate with you? I
1: think you? if they go in they can contact us, myself and Simon, directly through the University website, our contact details are on the Ecological and Continuity Trust website, so yeah, we're very happy to collaborate with colleagues, we've got a long history of collaboration at these sites and other sites as well, so we're really keen, particularly colleagues from different disciplines as well, to try and get involved, that'd be great.